Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Cross Point Baptist Church this morning. We're glad you're here. It's a beautiful day outside, but even a better day to be in God's house today, right? All right. I got a couple things I wanted to mention uh, while we're before we get started. We'll have a word of prayer, and then the praise team will sing, and we'll begin our worship time. Uh, the work week this week. Thanks for everyone that came up. We had a great week. Almost every job on the list were done, and uh, the, house, uh, the church house looks a lot better. And so uh, just needed a good spring cleaning, and, and uh, we do that at home, and we have to do it here at our uh, church building as well. So it looks good. Thanks to everyone that participated in that. And uh, also, I want to mention maybe in a month or so, we're, Pastor Scott and I were talking about it, we'll begin our offering during the service time. So uh, just another thing as we progress back into uh, normalcy and beyond that uh, we'll be doing that. And then uh, uh, Brother Brad might be speaking about it at the end, but I just wanted to mention I was uh, there. The Bible study for the men went excellent yesterday. We had a great uh, turnout, and uh, it was a great day uh, to study around God's Word for the men. So I uh, just wanted to mention that. He, he might give a brief uh, announcement about that as well. And then next Saturday, I wanted to mention this. Next Saturday, we're scheduled to have the picnic at the Prim's house, all right? And they do this. They open up their house to us, uh, you know, uh, many times over the years. And we go there for a picnic, And but we're looking at the weather forecast, and it looks like weather is going to be an issue all week. Now, it may not be on that day, but uh, from a parking standpoint, it might be an issue uh, pulling in Dan's yard and in uh, we'll have to have a, a record there to pull everybody out, so that may not work. So just be aware, we might send out a crosstalk um, in the midweek sometime announcing that we might be either moving it here to church or we might just have to push it back into the summer a little bit further uh, if the weather forecast uh, follows through. If they get it right this week, you never know, right? So we might have sunshine and, and uh, 80 all week, who knows? But uh, we're glad you're here. Today's a great day to be in God's house. So we're going to uh, open with prayer, and then uh, we're going to worship together with our singing. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for uh, being in your house, being able to worship you as we believers. We need to worship. We need to lift you up, exalt your name, and that's what we're here to do this morning. We pray, Father, that each one would, would uh, open their hearts to that aspect and, and lift uh, your name on high. As we sing, as we hear God's word, uh, may we each apply it to our own lives today. We thank you. Help us to have a great day in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, good morning. If we can take just a minute and just look around the room for a second, it is so great to see everybody's faces for once. So you guys have had to look at my ugly mug through the whole thing, but it is great to see your faces uh, this morning. So we are excited to worship. We are thankful that God has protected us during this pandemic and brought us to this point. We are thankful that he has allowed us to assemble here this morning, and we are thankful for the salvation he offers. Would you stand and sing with us as we sing the salvation poem? It's our prayer that your heart would be full of God's praise this morning as we worship him through song.
Please be. 
opportunity to gather as your people and worship you. Lord, we worship you and praise you, as we said before, for bringing us through this far during the pandemic. God, for the opportunity to be here once again face-to-face without the barriers. God, to see the human expression on faces, an expression that you put there. God, I pray that our hearts would be full from the love that you have put there, God, and our love for each other, and that you would be lifted high this morning, that you would be honored and glorified in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Welcome, church. We have a lot of things happening in a very short amount of time. As you may be aware, uh, we've been in a lull for quite some time, and then all of a sudden, June happened. All of a sudden, June happened. June is a very busy month, perhaps in your own personal life, but also in, hopefully, your personal life is in conjunction with Cross Point Baptist Church and your church life. Let's go there with that. So the calendar is very full of ministry uh, opportunities, but also uh, fellowships for us to be focusing our our minds on as we look to be well-pleasing to him. I want to take a moment. We still are, um, of course, on Facebook Live. I think our, our radio broadcast is still actually going. Uh, no sense in not having that um, for anybody that's outside. Who knows? They may be driving down 32 and stumble across our radio station. And um, also, uh, Facebook. And then um, I wanted to chime in by just a handful of those that are watching by Facebook today. Jim Rink and uh, Michelle. Uh, Ferguson, um, sorry, Lawson, sorry. You think after all these years of marriage, I would get that right? But uh, but it's good to hear uh, all of us together here. Amen. Amen. It's been a good week. We actually got a lot of work done here. Uh, I didn't. Um, everybody else did the work. But it, man, the the list looked good. Checked off. They were working real hard on our uh, kind of getting the building ready. So we have a little bit more to go in that regard. But also. Um, in just a little bit that we're going to preach God's word this morning, we're going to learn about ourselves as we open the Bible. But I'll be also announcing in a little bit our summer and fall ministries and scheduled dates. So, but if you would, turn with me to Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. Another thing that we're uh, including today will be an invitation At the end of today. What is an invitation? Let's talk about that as you're turning to Acts chapter 12. What is that? Is that where you just dim the lights and and set the mood for spiritual things? No. In fact, we can leave the lights up. In fact, we don't even have to have music. The point of an invitation is we are inviting you and perhaps the Holy Spirit is inviting you, maybe convicting you to come and pray privately or pray corporately with, with 
a fellow believer alongside right here at, we call this an altar. We're giving ourselves over to our God at that time, at this time. So we're, we'll be having a, an invitation today once again. Boy, there's something very special about coming up front and being kneeling here. You may think, well, everybody's watching me. That's not what makes it unique. Or you may think, well, pastor's just a good salesman. He can get us to come up here and pray. I don't even do that. I, I mention it and I come down. I don't know if you noticed that. I don't stand up here and compel you to come. That's not my job. That's the Holy Spirit's role. I would never try to circumvent what he's up to, in fact. I pray that I learn how to get out of the way when, when, when the Lord's working and not try to take things over. It's a time. There's just something very special about coming down here at the front, what we call an altar to give of our lives, give of our heart, our daily struggles to him in real time. Acts chapter 12 is where I want us to look this morning. This wasn't by design, but uh, this morning as we started our faithful life, we were in Acts chapter 10. So we are just going um, or picking up where we left off in faithful life. Uh, I know that steadfast life this morning. Pastor Roger, what, where were you at this morning? What's Acts? Acts. So Acts is the theme of the day, apparently. So uh, Acts chapter 2. But we'll be in Acts 12 tonight, uh, this morning, sorry. And I want us to look at some assurances that God reveals to the believer. You have so few assurances in this life. So few assurances. You may think, well, I got a pretty good 401k build up. If you remember, I think it was 2008. A lot of things happened in the stock market. And a lot, a lot of you felt that. Many of you were on fixed incomes and all of a sudden it, it, you had to adjust real quick. Or maybe you were saying, well, I'm okay financially. I have the social security system. I call it the so-so security. I don't know if it's going to be there or not by the time I hit there. But you may have so few assurances. You may be looking at things, and I'm not saying don't plan and prepare. You may think, well, I have a people. I have loved ones that will never leave my side. I think Christ had at least one like that that I can think of. In fact, at one point, everybody left his side. That were said they were all the way in. So you have so few assurances in this world. God is going to reveal several to us in this chapter. Now, I'm going to ask on the screen that we put Psalm 34, 15, and 16. 34, 15, and 16. You're in Acts chapter 12. You can also, um, I think a couple times, I'll revert to uh, 1 Peter chapter 3. So I want you to hold your finger there in Acts 12, which is where we'll be, and turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. But I want us to look together on the screens at Psalm 34, 15, and 16. And it reads, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. Say righteous. What does that mean? What does righteous mean? Well, I don't know if you know this, but in and of yourself, there's nothing righteous about you. There's self-righteousness about you, but that's not the same righteousness that's being referred to here. In the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. Christ makes the believer righteous. What does righteous mean? It means right living, the ability to live right. You may think, well, I know some people that are 
have nothing to do with God, and they live pretty good lives compared to whose standard? Yours? Who, who is the standard here? Our own ingenuity, our own morality, our own... What is the standard? Well, whether we want to accept it or not as a people group, His Word is that standard. That is not a popular message today. But it says the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, those that He has made right through Christ, and His ears are open to their cry. Now there's a little paradox in this verse, and because it sounds like the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and he makes me right and I'm in Christ. It's all good. How, what can go wrong? But the very next line in his ears are to their cry. Why would they be crying if they're righteous? Because as we're living this life, as we're living this life, we're going against the world system. And then the next verse reads, the face of the Lord is against those who do evil to to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. So we could dive into that a little bit more, but it's pretty self-explanatory, really. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Where, why do they do evil? Because it comes from an evil place. It comes from an evil heart. Cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. We're going to be touching that one. I think, actually, you're going to see that, that, that Peter will be touching, I think, in his mind's eye, I think, he has this verse in mind. Who in here wakes up by an alarm clock? Huh, about half or so. So that means you, are, uh, you don't like the mornings is what that tells me. No, I'm just teasing. Uh, but could you imagine waking up to an angel as your alarm clock? Now, when Carla wakes up every morning, she sees an angel. That's because our dog sleeps in bed with us, yeah. It's good. Alarm clocks are a funny thing to me. Um, when we first got married, I, I would wake up to a soft radio alarm clock, and that would wake me up. Because how you start your day is going to dictate the pace of the day, right? I like to wake up gentle. When we first got married, she would wake up to an alarm clock that went, ah, ah, ah. She would wake up mad and grumpy, Right? Why? Because that alarm clock sets the tone. But here is an example. And you're getting ready to see what happens in Acts chapter 12 of someone that's woking, that is awoke by the miracle of having an angel as a wake-up call. That's what happened to Peter when he was in prison on his third missionary trip. Was Peter righteous? Yeah. Why is he in prison? I thought the righteous made everything all good. Please do not mistake that gospel message for the real gospel message. It, that is exactly contrary to the real gospel message. The real gospel message is he wants to take up residence in your life to help you clean out, to weed out the sin that is in our lives, to retrain, to rethink, to relive, to take over, to transform against yourself, but also against a world that is hostile to that message. I've never understood that. Why is the world hostile to the gospel message that offers, that offers God as taking up residence, the Holy Spirit taking up residence in, in your house, in your tabernacle, in your temple, in your home, in your heart? That's what he offers that helps weed out what's wrong to, to help flesh out what's wrong, to help you live to what's right, to what's holy, to help you raise godly families 
to help you learn how to one another and love one another. That's what the gospel offers. And to connect you back to your creator, it's a miracle. It's the greatest miracle that was, is perhaps most taken for granted is salvation. That's what the gospel offers. And then, and then you get heaven as an eternal home. And the Bible says the world will be hostile to that message. I don't understand why. I really don't. It's not my job to understand. It's our job to live, to follow, to do, and to enjoy, by the way, his presence. You know, many people of the Bible were in prison, and we see them rejoicing. Think about that. I don't want to go there. I don't know that I'd be rejoicing. <sighs> this verse that we read of Psalm 34, 15 and 16, I just wonder if this is not what Peter had in mind, because when we look at 1 Peter chapter 3 in a moment, you can see some similarities. But he does, it does speak to the assurances. Let's look at this. Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. Here is the first assurance, is that God sees our trials. He sees. He's not blind. He hasn't turned his back. He sees our trials. Acts chapter 12, verse 1 through 4 reads, Now about that time Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some of the church. Then he killed James the brother of John, with a sword. And because he saw it, that it, saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. So when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. What do we see there? In verse 4, we see that God sees our trials. He knows what's going on. He knows the plan of Herod. He knows the intent. Let's talk about King Herod for just a second. Many of you know the history of this name. But let's be reminded, because it's like Cross Point Baptist Church. You meet one person and you find out they're connected to somebody else in this church, family-wise or related some way. In the Bible, you see the same thing. You hear of different people, and you keep pulling their name or pulling that thread. A lot of times, they're connected. This is King, this is Herod. This Herod was Agrippa I, the nephew of Herod Antipas, who murdered John the Baptist. See the connection? Oh, by the way, the grandson of the great Herod, Herod the Great, who murdered the children of Bethlehem in search of Jesus Christ as an infant. A family tree of evil men. They didn't need no 23andMe. They didn't need their DNA to see this family tree. Who's ever done that 23andMe? They've done your ancestry stuff and looked that up? You know, a handful in here. It's, uh, it's very interesting to know. You kind of find, you feel like you get connected to your history and who's, you kind of make it, shapes you a little bit. But, you know, here's a good example of where just look at their lifestyle. Look at their life and what they did, and you can see that this was a family tree of evil men. The Jews didn't like him because he was an Edomite, and that's why he harassed some of the church in, at the end of verse 1. About the time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some of the church. Now, I don't know, uh, when we hear that word harass, we may think it's something like poking, poking with a stick or making fun of. 
But these guys legally could do what they want to do even to the point of murder. I wonder what it would take for us to stop meeting. How much pressure, how much uh, harassment would we take, would it take from the outside world slash government to get us to go, I'm out, I'm done? What would it take? How much would it take? It's uh, maybe not something we want to think about or even dare to answer. But we see that, um, and by the way, when we talk about, I'm going to use the word Jews several times here. What it's referring to here is the nationalistic Jews that didn't like Christians. Okay? There were believing, obviously, believing people of Israel. They especially didn't like the Gentile Christians or the ex-pagan Christians. Especially, that was out. Very much segregated. But look in verse 2 with me. It says, then he killed James. Now, let's just not fly over this. He killed. He had killed. That's murder. And it was legal. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. This was the first apostle, apostle to die a martyr's death and the only one recorded in the New Testament. Now, we know from outside the Bible, history tells us that the apostles... Where they died a martyr's death, 11 of them that we know of uh, died that death. But it says, with a sword, which would indicate beheading. Jesus told James, the brother of John, that they actually would drink the same cup of suffering. He predicted this. Years earlier, Christ told them. Remember these two, these are the two where they had their mom go before Jesus and was like, hey, Here's the deal. I'm paraphrasing how moms do. These are my two sons. Have one sit on your right hand, the other on your left. Give them the place of honor and prestige. That's these two brothers. And Jesus warned them that you're going to die this type of death. And you may think the language was coded. It's in Matthew chapter 20, verse 20 through 23. Jesus said this after they asked for the thrones of glory. They wanted, why did mom want them high, want them in that spot? Why did they desire that spot? They wanted the glory. But Jesus made it clear that there's no throne of glory apart from suffering. Their reply was, we got this. We were able. They had no clue what they were saying. John was exiled to the island. John was exiled and James was beheaded. So when we look in verse 2, don't just fly over these scriptures when you're reading them. Take your time. This is a great year to do some summer reading. When I say summer reading, I mean read on purpose. Don't just fly through some reading. Maybe take a book of the Bible and just dive into it. Just stay there and read it for understanding, not just to check it off the list. If it pleased the Jews to do this to James and John as church leaders, they really would have been salivating for Peter, who was a more high profile of a leader. Look in verse 3. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, they liked this. These nationalistic Jews liked this. It was putting this uprising of these people called Christians the way it is putting them in their place. It was shutting them up. They liked it. He proceeded further to seize Peter also. 
Why? Because it pleased him to kill the lower profile. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread in verse 3. The days of unleavened bread were the feast that followed Passover. Herod knew not to interrupt the traditions of the nationalistic Jews. So by God's sovereign hand, even in trials, we see God's sovereign hand. He had to hold Peter. He had to hold him. Just couldn't do what he had intended to do. Why is that important? You're going to see in a moment. There were four squads of, of soldiers. Four squads would have been 16 soldiers, four for each watch, with two soldiers that were chained to Peter while the other two watched the door. Look in verse 5. Um, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. We'll come back to that. Verse 6. And when Herod was about to bring him out, the night Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers. And the guards before the door were keeping the prison. All this for one guy. With no weapons. Just one guy. All this security. Maximum security. Why was he so heavily guarded? Just think about that for a minute. Why was Peter so heavily guarded? Oh, I don't know. Maybe because the last time old Pete was in jail, he did a holy Houdini. And the Lord had him escape one time before. Maybe that's why he was so heavenly, heavily guarded. Why was James allowed to die and Peter rescued? Both were dedicated servants of God. Both were needed by the church. But God had different plans. I do that all the time. God, why are you doing this here and now? It would make just way be logical if you did it this way, God. It doesn't make sense. You know, we're never told to make complete sense out of what God's up to, or else you would be God. We are simply to follow and obey. The only answer is the sovereign will of God. What the church had prayed for in Acts chapter 4, verse 24 through 30, when under, under persecution. They prayed for God's will to be done, and it's starting to play out, and now they're confused by it. Have you ever done that? Sure you have. Lord, we want what you want, but not that. So many times we question God or his character. He's always working in or on the believer. I don't know why things happen the way they do, but I do know that God never fails. I need more amen than just Charles on that one. I do know that God never fails. God's not done. He's not finished. It may look dark. You may feel depressed. You may feel enclosed. You may feel like my family's hopeless. You may look around and go, this world, this country is hopeless. There's, there's nothing makes sense anymore. God's not done yet. Per his word, not per me, per the word. He's not done yet. Note that the Jerusalem church didn't replace James like they did Judas in Acts chapter 1. 
Why did they replace Judas? Well, when the gospel was going to the Jew first, it was necessary to have 12 apostle witnesses to the 12 tribes of Israel. But the stoning of Stephen ended that special witness to Israel, so the number, or the official number, was no longer important. But look what happens here as we start considering Peter just a little bit more. God hears our prayers. That's your second assurance. God knows your trials. God hears your prayers. Verse 5. Then Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Constant prayer. That phrase, constant but constant prayer. Three words, that's a game changer. Do you believe it? We have a long prayer list. We've been praying a lot. Do you believe it? Never underestimate the power of a praying church. An angel fetched Peter out of prison, but prayer fetched the angel. What an exciting story. I'm glad I'm not the judge right now because I would be questioning whether you and I really believe that prayer changes things. I can't know your heart. I can look at mine sometimes. But if I really believed it, would I be doing these platitude prayers? Would I be doing these, let me just think of the next word? Or are we grabbing a hold of what we know to be true and right? They were constantly praying, but constant prayer, earnest prayer was happening. Peter's sleeping, verse 5 um, uh, and verse 6, but when Herod was about to bring him out the night, Peter was sleeping. This dude is sawing logs, bound with two chains between two soldiers and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now, we don't know if he was exhausted praying or just checked out and not worried about it praying. We don't know exactly for sure, but the point is Peter's sleeping. And watch what happens. I, I would love to be a fly on the wall on this one. If you were chained with two, two soldiers facing execution the next day, how well would you sleep? This is it. I got to, this is it. In the next 24 hours, it could be gone. He's sleeping. He's out. I hope he was snoring. An angel had to strike him on the side. Look at verse 7. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in prison. And he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly, his chains fell off his hands. Did you catch that? Why did the angel have to strike him on the side to get him up? That tells me he was sleeping pretty good. He either wasn't worried because God's got this or exhausted from, I'm yours and if I die tomorrow, I die tomorrow. Though he slain me type of attitude. Struck him on the side to wake him up. Picture Peter waking up and saying, are we going to do that escape thing again? This is miraculous. All 16 soldiers, the angel's there, 
and Peter's about ready to be freed. And we see this one coming from constant prayer was made. There is a biblical example of a real life event that never underestimate the power of prayer. I can tell you stories just within the last week. But they don't come from within our church body of people that have had a need and said, I'm just going to pray about it and stepped out on faith and their needs were met. I heard two of them yesterday, just within the last week of their life. They were, they were, you know, when you're broke and you don't have a whole lot of resources, you sometimes you only have one way to go and that's faith. That was a situation somebody found them, two people found themselves in in the last week that I heard from yesterday. Let me tell you what God did. They always start smiling real big. Now, those things don't happen every day and every week. I, we, we have had it in this room, but in the last week, two people had said, I had just prayed and just kept praying, and it wasn't a boring prayer, and God delivered the way that he wanted to right on time. The difference from this imprisonment and the others this time, Peter's heavily guarded. The other time, he wasn't. This time, he's alone. The other time, he wasn't. This time, the deliverance didn't come right away. The other time, it came right away. This time, imprisonment didn't come after victories, but after the death of James. Think about this. Peter's in jail. They just beheaded James, and you're next. That's not, let's sing a hymn. That's not, let's, let's have a party. That can play on our minds, can't it? You know, I'm reminded even in our church that when one of us, especially uh, a long faith, a lifelong member of our church passes away, we feel that. We feel that. It makes us start thinking about our own life. We think about how short life really is. And, you know, you can do, when you're around a lot of sickness or you're around even, uh, you, you officiated several services quickly together, it can play on your mind. It plays on your psyche, doesn't it? Je Peter's in this spot where he's in a place kind of by himself. I mean, he's chained to other dudes that aren't his friends. He had time to dwell on all this is the point. Well, he's sleeping, but what gave Peter the confidence and the hope? Look in verse 12. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark. There were many gathered together praying again. Did you see that? They were praying yet once again. They were constantly praying before. Now they're still praying. Guess what their prayer is for Peter? It's still the same prayer. This wasn't they were constantly praying and then this happened. This was they were constantly praying and in real time they're still constantly praying. Lifting him up, he's on their heart and mind before the throne. You know, when Peter was on the earth with Christ, the three years that Christ's public ministry is walking the earth, Peter also warned, Jesus also warned Peter like he did James and John. Boy, don't you wish sometimes you could walk with the Lord and he would give you like, hey, let me give you some instruction. Let me give you some encouragement. Let me tell you how your life's going to end. Think about that. Would you want that? Because he told, Peter, he told James and John how their lives were going to end. And he told Peter as well. Jesus' words to Peter, 
Herod couldn't kill him because Jesus promised Peter that he would live to be an old man and at the end of his life he would die on that cross. John chapter 21. He told him how he was going to die. So maybe that's why Peter wasn't so panicked. You're going to live to be an older man. You can look that up later, John 21, 18 and 19. But Peter trusted the Lord. The Lord gave him peace and rest. What are you not trusting the Lord about today? Peter trusted his life to him. And we struggle to trust him with these little things in our life. The littlest things. Well, we see that Peter obeys. Look in verse 7 through 11. Now an angel of the Lord stood by him. We read, and a light shone in the prison. And he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. His chains fell off his hands. By the way, no key needed. Holy Houdini, Houdini once again. Verse 8. Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and, and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, Put on your, your garment and follow me. Verse 9. So he went out and followed him and did not know what was done by the angel. What had been done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they were passed the first time and the, sec, and the second guards post, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city which opened to them of its own accord. Are you watching these miracles unfold right in front of Holy Doorman? It just kind of opens up. And they went out and went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. Just like that. I, I would feel like I was in a dream too. Pete, that's what he says. He felt like he was in a daze. Like he was like, what, what just happened? Verse 11, and when Peter had come to himself, he's in a fog. Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. Verses 7 through 11, we see Peter obeying. The ministry of angels, they care for children of God. Verse uh, uh, Psalm 34 it gives us another look into the ministry of angels. They are not to be worshipped. They care for the children of God. The angel brought light and liberty to Peter. The guards didn't have any idea what was going on. And they were powerless. They had the stuff. They had, the, they had all the stuff, but they were powerless against God's doing. It's important that Peter... Peter obeyed. Look in verse 8 and 9. And an angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. What if he went, Ah, I just woke up. Give me a minute. He obeyed. He got up and did. So he did. And he said to him, Put on your garment and follow me. Two times Peter could have went, Give me a minute. I'm not a morning person. <laughs> he followed. He obeyed. He did. Only when Peter is in the street does he fully realize he's part of another miracle. This dude gets to be part of more miracles and I don't have any. Not fair. It's a joke. In our faithful life this morning, we were talking about the greatest miracle ever done. If you are genuinely saved today, that's a miracle. Transformed. You may be pondering that right now. Right now, you may be thinking in your mind, man, am I really Am I? I said these words. Am I genuine? And I don't feel transformed. Don't give up on that. 
pursue while he is near. You're in a house of God, which means in, the, in theory he's here. We're his people. If you're struggling with your salvation, you're struggling with the assurance, you're struggling with the security, you're struggling with all those things, don't give up on it. You're in the right place. You're in exactly the right place. The worst thing you could do is doubt and then walk away. Examine because the scripture is sure. Well, we see in verse 10, there's another escape that had happened with the gate. This happening during Passover season when the Jews celebrated the exodus out of Egypt. Well, Peter had been delivered too. I love this next scene, verses 12 through 16. It says, so when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. Okay, verse 12, they were praying. The, the angel vanishes. His work is done. The angel's work is done. He goes back. By the way, angel means messenger. He sent the message. Now, Peter goes to work. Don't worship the angels. They have a, a job from God, and that's it. They go to the house of Mary, is the um, mother of John Mark, Barnabas' cousin. Consider this about these people that are there praying. Consider this. Many people were praying earnestly night and day for as long as a week. Specifically for Peter's deliverance. This scene that is about to unfold becomes comical. I love the fact that the Bible is a real book. Verse 13, Peter knocked on the door of the gate and a girl named Rhoda came to answer. And when she realized, recognized Peter's voice because of her gladness, she did not open the gate. Stop. Knock, knock. Who's there? It's Peter. Peter, is that you? And she runs the other way. She doesn't open the door to let him in. I heard a comedian just do this recently, actually. He talked about back in our day in the 70s and 80s when somebody came over, you got excited like somebody's coming over. You get out the good stuff and, and, and the family would all get around. Now if somebody knocks on your door, you pull the curtains and lock the door. Right? You back like, no, don't let them know we're home. That's almost the scene here. We, this, this Rhoda is, is in this spot where she doesn't answer the door. But, verse 14 goes on, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. Knock, knock, who's there? It's Peter. It's Peter. She runs back and doesn't open the door and goes back and, and tells um, that it was Peter at the gate. Verse 15, but they said to her, you are beside yourself. Now, hold on. What were they praying for for almost a week? That Peter would be delivered from prison. She, she, she's part of that group. But she's the crazy aunt. She's the one that prays all the time. You are beside yourself. Yet she kept insisting that it was so. So they said, it's his angel. It's Peter's angel is what they're referring to. Now Peter continued knocking. He would not go away. He kept knocking on the door. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Imagine that. 
They had been praying for almost a week. God delivers, and they, they're astonished. They're blown away. They don't know how to react. They don't know what to do. Now, especially as Baptists, we don't know what to do. When we get excited, the only thing we know to do is really eat. <laughs> that is kind of what we do. Let's, let's have a party. Let's, let's call it a fellowship and, 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 and eat. They have been praying. Why? This amazes me because I do the same thing. I do the same exact thing. When God does something, I, I think it's more that I'm overwhelmed. When the creator touches a prayer and touches a life like that, you can be overwhelmed where you don't know how to react. And we're shocked and amazed because it's something way bigger than us. God got Peter out of prison, but Peter couldn't get into the prayer meeting. They regarded the person with the answer to the prayer as just a little off. It's his angel in verse 15. Maybe they believed in personal guardian angels assigned to believers, Matthew 18. Or a superstition. But then again, on the other hand, the knock is comical as I just set that scene up. Picture this. The knock could have been Herod's soldiers coming to arrest more. More believers. Rhoda had the courage to go to the door. Nobody else went to the door. And it's kind of another comical scene when the believers would say, no, no, it's his angel. Why would an angel knock? Could he just walked on in? But in verse 16, it stands out. Notice the personal pronouns. Now Peter continued knocking, and when they opened the door, they saw him, they were astonished. I love the little words of the Bible, the simple words. For safety's sake, they did it all together. They all went to the door. Eh, maybe to see if it's true. Maybe they were scared. I don't, we, I don't know that we can dig that deep into Scripture to find out. Verse 17, Peter is declaring to them, but motioning to them that his hand, with his hand to keep silent. Why did he have to use his hand to keep silent? Why is that? They wouldn't shut up. He had to motion to them. It's all good. Now be quiet. He declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of prison in verse 17. And he said, go and tell these things to James and to the brethren. And he departed and went to another place. Apparently everyone is talking and Peter has to quiet them down. He tells them of what happened. Then he tells them to get words to James, the other James, by the way, not the one that was beheaded. This James is actually Jesus half-brother, wrote the book of James, pastor to church in Jerusalem. I had mentioned that uh, Wednesday night on Facebook Live, I was kind of had a brain block. I couldn't remember who Jesus' half-brothers were, and Pastor Rick was right on time to clean that up. But they went to another place. Peter really isn't, is not heard from again in Acts, except for a cameo appearance, if we can call it that, in Acts 15. And now the focus in Acts is now on Paul's ministry. Peter does minister with his wife, we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and he's used greatly for the Lord's work.
Now, we just looked into scripture of just two. There's more of just two assurances that God gives us. One, he knows and sees our trials. Collectively and individually, he knows and sees the trials of his children. And two, he hears our prayers. You may think and feel that God doesn't even know I exist. I've seen him in the past, but I don't see, feel, touch. I don't know why I'm doing this prayer thing. Here's why you do it. Because we're commanded to. Prayer changes you. It doesn't change God. Prayer will show you more about yourself than perhaps you will about God. The biggest thing I've learned about prayer is I realize how big he is and how small I am. We think we have big prayers and eh, maybe God will do something. We make God small and our prayers big. That's the application of scripture for us today. That God is a, you have the assurance that he sees your trials and you have the assurance that he hears your prayer. We can do these things because of one person. The name is Jesus Christ. That's the name we hold up high today. You heard me mention that we are uh, having an invitation. We're getting ready to do that right now. I kind of set it up earlier on what it is and what it isn't. It's a great time to come and just pray before the Lord. If you're struggling, you're seeking for that salvation, you're, 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 you're struggling, you're seeking for your walk, you're fighting for uh, understanding, you're fighting to get close to him. That's what an invitation is for. So I'm going to ask Andrew in a moment, as I have a word of prayer, he will come and prepare for an invitation. I'm going to come back up and say a few more things, and then Pastor Roger will conclude our service. Let's bow. Dear Lord, thank you for your word today. It has been encouraging and exciting. Your word is exciting to know that it's a real book with real people, with, with real characteristics, real insecurities, real everyday people. That's how you want us to come, being genuine. I pray that at this time right now, we would be genuine with you, that we would maybe have to be courageous enough to come down front and pray privately. I'll be here to pray with anybody that wants to have prayer. But we want to be well-pleasing to you. Make this, take this time and make it your own. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Andrew, if you would lead us, the altar will be open. Stand with me, please. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Master. 
ask you to be seated for just a moment. I'm going to talk about our summer and fall ministries, and then I'll Brad, Brother Brad will dismiss us in prayer, uh, in, uh, in announcements. The, um, well, I'm just going to read a statement. This has been weeks and months of uh, thought, preparation, prayer, uh, meeting with a lot of people. Starting September 1st, the ministry dates and times will be adjusted to best honor God and feed the entire body. I want to make that clear. I want to say that line again. As we looked at the last year um, and how we've had to do church, I don't like that phrase, but um, we see some adjustments here and the paradigm with which we make decisions. Ultimately, I make decisions. It comes down to this. What best honors God and what best feeds the entire church. LifePoint Bible study groups will be meeting. This is in September 1st. LifePoint Bible study groups will be meeting Sunday mornings at 9.15. Worship hour at 10.30 a.m. So at 9.15 a.m., um, LifePoint Bible study groups, call it Sunday school, Worship hour at 10.30 a.m. Sunday nights will be for special occasions such as Lord's Supper, programs, and meetings. Wednesday evenings at 6.30, we will be resume our family nights, which includes Awana, New Life, which is Word of Life, and our adult Bible study on Wednesday night. Again, this is September 1st, full capacity. Facebook Live will be moved to Sunday evenings at 7 p.m. This is in September. This is not in my notes to say, but I'm going to say this. That Facebook on Wednesday nights have been phenomenal. When we uh, watch the numbers, uh, there's usually about 30 or so, 20 to 30, uh, that chime in that night that I know of. And then within two days later, it's usually up at 100. And by the weekend, it's, we've had it as high as 200 times. It's been a while since we had 200 people in this building. And I don't know if you've watched it or not. I encourage you to. You can watch it through Facebook Live. You can watch it on our website as well. That um, the gospel is, the Bible is taught and the gospel is presented clearly. So we'll be moving that to Sunday nights at 7 p.m. 
I've personally talked with several members of our church for insight as well as our pastor and leadership team. But these ultimate decisions, however, they're mine as senior pastor. I desire us to keep this schedule for one year until September of 2022 and then evaluate for its effectiveness. What are we looking for? This actually came out of our meeting, one of our meetings. Quantity and quality is what we're looking for. Quantity, more members, more people to attend. Quality, spiritual growth, such as believers owning their walk, families making godly decisions, more members ministering, and more seeking of God. Two paragraphs left. I don't make these decisions lightly. You may think, what's the big deal? You just made a schedule and move on with it. Uh, these guys could testify that um, I labored over these decisions. But do remember this. I, as a member of this church, I answer for your soul one day before God. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. I don't just simply want to go through the motions of ministry nor do I want to disrupt scheduling for the sake of convenience, personal preference, or even laziness. Now, it's natural that some, someone may not like or some may not like these adjustments. I completely understand I'm not getting what I want either. You know what I want? I want us here all, all day, every day. I want, us, I, want to be, I want to do something every day. But we do believe, I believe, this is the best path to honor God and shepherd the whole. Like all of us over the last year, we've had to adjust our lives, and that includes our spiritual well-being as well. We, uh, we may need to adjust again. God only knows. Hopefully not. So I will, we will get this posted so that you understand it. This is September 1st is when this will start. We have plenty of time. Actually, it's going to go fast. But we do have time, as uh, that will start September 1st. We'll make sure it's uh, announced and or posted somewhere. But I do want to take a moment and answer this question. Well, what about June, July, and August? Well, June is, uh, we're in it. I don't know if you realize that. It, it feels like it's, it should be about April still or something. But we are in June. Um, June, July, and August, we have Lord's Supper. We have National Night Out that is coming up. Uh, it's on our calendar. It's uh, up at Batavia Township Park. We have three nights of Vacation Bible School. We have our gender ministries. We have three men's Bible studies and ladies' fellowships and activities throughout the months of June, July, and August. We will be having our Facebook Live on Wednesday nights. And any LifePoint Bible study group event that your class happens to develop. Um, Summer's going to fly by. It's going to go really fast. And our goal is to make sure that we're feeding and we're loving on one another the best way possible. So this is our path. If you uh, have any questions, feel free to contact myself. And again, we'll get this posted as we look to be well-pleasing unto him. Brother Brad.
right. Thank you, Pastor. Uh, did want to give a, just a quick report on the men's Bible study yesterday. Had a great group that, that showed up. Uh, we're talking about the Gospels, going through the, the book of Romans. And uh, the question that we posed to everybody is, Jesus Christ, we would all recognize as Lord of heaven and earth, but is he the Lord of your life? Is he sitting on the throne of your heart? So we discussed the first part of that uh, yesterday. Our next uh, gathering will be on uh, Saturday, July the 10th. So if you missed yesterday or if you were a part of yesterday's uh, discussion, we invite you to be uh, with us in July on the 10th. It'll be Saturday morning at 10 o'clock. We'll meet over in the New Life Room. Had a great turnout yesterday and looking forward to the next one as well. So right after the service this morning, we do have a VBS workers meeting. If you're planning to be a VBS worker, you'll need to attend that. Uh, there's going to be food provided, I believe. So uh, right after the service, we're going to, to clear out the first couple of rows of chairs, bring in uh, a few of the tables and hard chairs and prepare for that meeting. Pastor Rick will be conducting that meeting while we have lunch. And then tonight, as you've heard mentioned a couple of times, we would be partaking of the Lord's Supper, which we haven't done in over a year. So we're looking forward to that. We invite you to be a part of that. With that, you're dismissed.